Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petham here, as always, and of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 4-0 win over Everton. First game at Villa Park this season for the 2023-2024 Premier League season, I should say. So things are off and running. We're all happy. We were waiting for this kind of response. I think some of us were probably a little nervous and hope, hoping that this would happen, and it did. To be honest, it probably could have been six or seven, but you know what? We had a minus four goal, goal differential before this, and now we're back at zero within one game. So up the Villa, up the Unai Emery, and hopefully by the next game, we're at a plus four if this is the way it's going to go. But nonetheless, we have a almost full panel here. Danny somewhere in Porto um, on a vacation with his missus. So hopefully he's, he's having fun and uh, is enjoying all the, the club shops and things that he told me he was going to visit while on his trip. But regardless of that, let's get over to the guys first. So Seb, how's it going for you? Yeah, good. It's, it's nice to be back. Um, I always feel that first game back at the start of a new season, well, first home game back is almost like a a big relief that, that football is back weekly and um, we get to go to watch Villa again. Um, and it was everything that we could have asked for, wasn't it? Um, especially after last week. I feel like the longer the season goes on without that win, you know, as silly as it seems to sound, that the pressure mounts up and, you know, each game becomes more crucial. So to put in the performance that we did against let's be honest, a not great Everton team. You know, we did the business and we showed that our quality is still there. Absolutely. And Tom, I'll come to you next. How's it going for you, my friend? Yeah, very well. Um, you know, like Newcastle away first game of the season. I think a lot of us saw it as like, you know, like we were hopeful, always hopeful going to St. James's Park, they'll get a result, but it was a bit, bit of a free hit, maybe that first game of the season. I didn't expect the hit to be like being smashed in the face with a brick, but there you go. Um, and so, like Seb said, you know, you don't want that to linger, do you, and rumble on. And uh, I thought the way that Villa responded uh, on Sunday was fantastic. Came out the blocks, like, so, so aggressive, took the game to Everton. And honestly, I think we'd won. I think once we scored first, to be honest, we'd won that game because I agree with Seb, like, Everton, to rip this, to rip this off right away. Like, Everton, we won't have many easier home games than that all season. Everton are terrible. Like, I was surprised by quite how bad they were. Um, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And Villa not only won, but won so convincingly. Like you said, Cole could have been six or seven. Happy days. Absolutely. The only thing I'm annoyed about is that Musa Diaby did not score because if he, well, first of all, if he would have scored that volley, that's one thing. Um, the fact that he didn't get more points from me on Fantasy League is, is a tad annoying, but he's going to stay in my squad because. I think there's points to be had there. But nonetheless, Simon, um, I'm not going to miss out on you and talk about FPL and all that kind of stuff. Let's not make you feel um, even less important than some people think you are, i.e. Seb. Um, so, Simon, how's it going for you? 
Well, before I answer that, just on that FPL point, let me tell you, I actually had a very good week on FPL because I took the punt on not captaining Haaland and I went for Salah instead. So uh, I did too. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, but um, on to more important things, to be fair. No, very good, yeah. Obviously, after the disappointment of last week, uh, you, you were looking for a reaction and sort of similar to what the boys already said about Everton. To be honest, I, I don't think you could have handpicked a better opposition to, to have had at home to respond to last week. I mean, you could argue Luton or Sheffield United, but even they're, you know, they're new boys and they're going to be up from the fight, but Everton... Jesus, they were dreadful. And like Tom said, when we went 1-0 up, I kind of thought, well, we've got to leash the point here. Because <laughs> like, Everton, they just don't score. And at, at two, it's, it's pretty much done and dusted. So, yeah, very, very good way to, to bounce back to what happened last weekend. Absolutely. So I'll come to you first, because, I mean, Tom and Simon have both mentioned this. Were you a little surprised how Everton kind of came out? I mean, Villa were very impressive throughout the entire 90, in my opinion. And we controlled it completely. But given that it's probably arguable and fair to say that they could have beaten Fulham, Fulham on the opening day if they took their chances, were you a little bit surprised that they didn't kind of come out of the gate a little bit heavier, a little bit more positive? No, not particularly. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to sit here and go, yeah, I knew we were going to win. Like, I knew it was going to be easy. But for a team that struggles to score goals and doesn't have that threat up front, Cavett-Lewin making his first start in however long and, you know, obviously his injury worries and their their lack of goal-scoring ability, you're always, always going to struggle. So, you know, I, I knew that chances would come for us, chances would fall. Um, I was worried that they might try and exploit our high line, but again, it, they never really got in behind. They never really made a threat. I remember Martinez making one or two saves, but I think that the thing I liked the most today is in recent times, that sort of game, we might have seen Villa step off the pedal slightly earlier, maybe at 2-0 perhaps, and we would have, you know, controlled possession and played it easy and, you know, maybe gone to sleep slightly. This The Villa of recent times might have conceded a goal to make it 2-1 and then we see an edgy last 10, 15 minutes, but we didn't see that at all today. I think um, we completely dominated from minute one to minute 90 and um yeah Everton really weren't up to scratch today and if they perform like that this season they're going to be in big big trouble I can tell you one thing that I enjoyed the most about this and probably I'll ask this to you guys later on but this is later on in the match but the fact that when Diego Carlos came on and Neil Mopai even attempted to try to outmuscle him it was the Funniest, most pleasing thing I've seen in attorney because I can't stand Neil Mopai. But regardless of that, Tom, I'll, I'll come to you and kind of flip the switch. Of course, we saw the lineup. It was basically the same bar, of course, Torres coming in for the missing and ever-present Tyrone Mings. I mean, what did you make of the lineup? And I mean, just go on about Leon Bailey, because if you didn't know this is coming to you, then you're sadly mistaken. But just let me know your thoughts. Yeah, I figured the first Leon Bailey question might be directed my way. Uh, <laughs> you know, home home against Everton. Um, Leon Bailey seems to love that fixture. I was a, yeah, I guess I was a tad surprised. Well, I don't know. I I don't know if I was surprised that he was still in the starting eleven really, because I don't really feel like at the moment there are a ton of other options, particularly now with Brendia gone. Um, 
Coutinho, like, obviously, I don't think um, Emery was ready to throw him in from the start. And now God knows when we'll see him again. Um, how's, your, how's your luck, Phil? Right, <laughs> Terrible. Um, but to be fair to Leon Bailey, you know, he had big moments today. I, I think Everton were terrible. Like, let's not. It's very different playing against a team who I think are in serious danger of being relegated against Champions League quality opponents, which is what Newcastle are, as much as we might not like to admit it. But I think uh, Bailey, he did step up today, right? You can't really argue with goal, assist. I believe he also uh, won the ball that led to us winning the penalty as well. So I don't know how, whatever you want to label that, penalty assist. It's not a thing. You know what I mean there? Um, so like heavily involved in three goals. Can't really argue against it, can you? But it's that thing again. Like how many times do we have to have this conversation about this guy's con- this guy's consistency? Um, it would be easier in a way if he was, obviously we'd love it if he was great all the time, he's really consistent. It'd be a way and be easier in a way if he was eternally frustrating and underperforming because then you'd know how to pigeonhole him. But it's just so, you know, like it's so difficult to pin down. I thought he had a pretty decent game. Um, so I wasn't surprised that he was still in the lineup. And then to be honest, apart from that, like with Ings, uh, with Mings and, um, Emmy Brendier out, you know, until apart from I think the Douglas Louise, Bubakar Kamara, Yuri Tielemans, maybe selection dilemma in the midfield. I think now, kind of because of injuries and where we're at already early in the season, most of the team picks itself at the moment. Um and you know, I, I wouldn't it's difficult now because we've got hips coming up, right, in midweek. So we're already into a point of the season where we're gonna have to start rotating, players dropping like flies. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily want to guess the team on Wednesday because there's probably going to have to be at least a few, cha- like a couple of changes. Um, but yeah, I can't say I can't say I was particularly surprised with the lineup today. And like it worked, right? I thought even Ollie Watkins had a quiet game, and you could tell he was clearly frustrated. He, he does get frustrated, doesn't he? When he, I think he felt like there was a goal there for him today, mainly because Everton was so bad. Um, but even he, I thought, led the line really well. Uh, yeah, you know. You can't complain. You can't complain at all. 4-0 at home. You can only beat what's in front of you. On to the next one. 100%. Hopefully there's more um, enjoyment for us Villa fans to come. But Simon, I'll come to you next. I mean, considering all the kind of different transfer gossip and news we've heard around uh, Luca Dean, of course, um, I think it's come out from Fabrizio Romano even like an hour ago that Nice earn advanced talks for a loan with an option to buy, which I'm not really the biggest fan of, because to be honest, I, I thought we we're kind of hopefully shipping him off to Saudi and getting like 30 odd mil and just kind of being happy with that actually happening. Um, but regardless of that, what did you make of his performance today? Because for me, I mean, you can put Leon Bailey's up there, but at least when I look at it, he was probably one of the most impressive on the pitch today. Yeah. I thought he had a decent game. Um, it helps. As a defender, when you're playing against a team who seemingly have zero interest in, in trying to cause you any problems at the back, um, what what I thought was really impressive from him today, and it's something that I kind of expected to see a bit more of, was his delivery. I thought he put in some some really really good crosses, especially in the first half. I thought he got forward really well and putting some good balls in. But he's he's always had good delivery. I think I think probably where he falls down or maybe sort of struggles a little bit in the way we plays. He, he's not the quickest of players. And I think sort of the fact that we tend to only really let the left back get forward and attack, that's where Moreno is, is so good because he's so fast as well as Dean's 
it's a very different type of play. He's more sort of delivers the ball from a bit of a deeper position, which you, you kind of really need a, a striker that, that thrives in that. I mean, Watkins is decent in the air, but he's not really... You wouldn't say that he's one of his strongest attributes, like whipping balls and him getting on the ends of them. He, he can do it, but someone like a, a, a fit Calvert-Lewin, as obviously, you know, would... would um, would, would have a field day and, and to be fair when, when Calvert-Lewin was fit at Everton he did score quite a few goals and with Dina whipping the ball in so yeah, I, I thought he had a, a decent game to be fair but like I say it's, it's easy when, when you've not really got anything coming your way and just a, a quick point on Leon Bailey as well I am and I have been for, for a few months now I'm 100% convinced that he's actually right-footed and just hasn't worked that out yet because I think every goal or assist he gets is with his right foot. I, I do not understand why he insists on cutting back on that left foot and and why he, he's convinced himself that he's left-footed because he's clearly right-footed. But, um, yeah, no, to be, like, going back to Dean, yeah, I, I thought he had a, a good game, but he, he didn't really, he wasn't tested, was he, let's be honest. No, that that is true. But a general question to anyone, feel free to answer this. Was Leon Bailey hobbling at the end or did I just miss something? Yeah, well, he went off injured, and well, oh, yeah, I'm that's... pretty sure he went off injured anyway. I don't think it, it's like a, a big one or something, but I mean, that's Leon Bailey for you, isn't he? He's he's, he's almost as brittle as Coutinho. What is what is more Leon Bailey than Leon Bailey scoring against Everton then getting injured? Why does he always <laughs> play well then get hurt? It's like it's like flirting with a really pretty girl, and then she drives away every single time. That's a really bad reference, but you know what I mean. Regardless, no, I've I've no, I've no idea what you mean. Um, that, it's never happened to Simon. <laughs> Every time they stop and they go for dinner with him. That's right. I forgot about that. My bad. But anyways, moving on from Simon's dating life, let's uh, get back onto the game itself. Um, Seb, I'll come back to you for this one. I mean, considering you kind of look at the different array of goal scores today, of course, McGinn, uh, Louise scoring the pen, Bailey scoring, Jean Duran scoring, of course, we'll get to that a little bit later. I mean... We always say that we want a 20-goal-a-season striker. Of course, it's only two games in. Now, when you look at Ollie Watkins in particular and how his partnership has been slowly forming, I would say, with Musa Diaby, what did you kind of make of that one today? And I know we've kind of referenced Watkins a few minutes ago. I think it was maybe Tom that referenced him. But, I mean, considering the way that Musa Diaby plays, do you think that's going to affect Watkins? Not necessarily in a negative way, but the goal share might be a little bit more kind of divided up front this season. Actually, yeah, it's a really difficult one because we saw his quality last season and there's no reason why that can't continue and why when he finds that golden touch that, you know, there's no one that suits our team better and there's, probably very few players in the Premier League that you'd rather leave the line. I mean, obviously, bar a few anomalies. Um, I mean, I mean, look, he had, he had a quiet game today and he, he was frustrated. I think it's lucky that, you know, we'd rather him put in these performances today when other people are ready to step up to the plate than, you know, perhaps when we're struggling and it's nil-nil and then he's missing the same chances that he did today. They they will fall for him. This is what happens with Ollie. He'll go four or five without scoring and then he'll he'll put one in. So it's it's not a concern. Do I think that he will be hindered? No. He he looked quite dangerous with the RB today. They got some nice passes off and, you know, in that final third, the pace of the RB and, you know, the running of Watkins and how he finds space in the box. I'd like to point out that 
the McGinn goal, the first goal actually came from Watkins splitting the two centre-halves up. So, you know, he, he, he has other attributes and, you know, he can still contribute well without without scoring. He, he didn't have his best game today. He'll probably be the first to tell you that, but it'll come. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think the most pleasing two thing, kind of flipping back defensively, Tom, I mean... Of course, we saw Diego Carlos come on a little bit later in the game when there was a triple substitution. Of course, Coutinho did and then got hurt, seemingly, as Coutinho does. Gets linked with a move away. We might recuperate the money, and then looks like that's not going to be happening now. Although it looks like Unai Emery's saying it could only be a couple weeks. We'll have to wait and see. But in particular with Diego Carlos, especially kind of not even just in this game in particular, but going forward, I mean... I hate to say it's only Everton, but it is only Everton. But aside from that, the fact that he was able to make a few interceptions, just out-muscling players on the ball, being able to kind of get in within that back four, back three, kind of when it's um, in attack. I mean, what did you make of his brief cameo? Because I think it's important to reference because with Mings's injury, we're going to see a lot of this, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. It's interesting you mentioned that, you know, him winning the ball off Neil Mope. Um, cause I had, I, I sort of, I noted that down as something that like, that was a, I, re- I really enjoyed that moment because it was, it, we haven't really seen very much. Obviously we haven't seen very much Diego Carlos, but it's so long ago that I can't even, he had what, two or three games before he got injured at most. I can't remember what my first impression of Diego Carlos was genuinely because he was out for so long. So I think as for, as sort of new first impressions go, uh, on Sunday, I thought he was near flawless, really. Like you say, like we, I, it, I feel bad, but you do have to keep adding the caveat that it's only Everton because, like, they they were they were awful. But the way that he just that Mope moment, particularly when he just almost it was almost like men against boys. He just sort of like shrugged him off and you know shut the door in his face, and that's exactly what I remember sort of reading about Diego Carlos before we signed him is that he went, you know, he is that kind of imperious commanding defender. Um, in that, re- in that regard, I think I hope he can be pretty much a perfect replacement for Mings, right. And, and, you know, over the, over the next well months and months and months. Uh, but I thought it was very promising, you know, you can't ask for more, can you? Um, admittedly, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is hardly the threat that he maybe was a couple of years ago or whatever. There'll be a, a lot sterner tests to come. Um, but I think he, be- he's, he bedded himself in pretty nicely when he came on for what, that last half hour or whatever. Thought Pau Torres as well. Um, again, not tested massively, perhaps, but looks to be settling in a bit more, you know. Um, so if we can just keep taking these steps and keep, keep building forward i was also um i was also very pleased with how um esri concert played because there's a that little bit of concern about concert i think that some fans have that without mings he's maybe less sure of himself um again for me he put that he, he put that to bed at least in in the immediate term um against everton i thought you know our defense was Pretty much as watertight as can be, really. Like like we said, once we went 1-0 up, we'd won the game as far as I'm concerned. And a lot of that is down to, okay, Everton's lack of threat. But also, I thought we looked very composed at the back throughout. Since when is Ezri Konza the most attacking centre-back in the league? Like, he was up on a counter-attack in like a three-on-two in the later stages. 
when is this become a thing, Tom? Because I don't know what's happened. <laughs> Who knows? But since he went full, what well, he sent, went full Beckenbauer in preseason, waltzing through the midfield and the defense, um, all power to him. Oh, I love it. The the one thing I can can I go back to the uh, Diego Carlos um, Neil Mopai challenge or kind of dispossessing because it was literally a millisecond. It felt like it's basically like a, a toddler running for. Um, just a ball in the house and a giant pit bull just knocks them over just because they want to get the ball. Like it was literally a, a, like a new more baby against a fully developed man. In my you're opinion. really in the analogy zone today. I, I excited for what else, what else you're going to whack out over the course. Oh, of this just wait. We still have a little while to go. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. I'll have an absolute banger or a clanger at some point. Um, apparently Seb's not looking forward to it in the chat, but regardless of that, I, I'm not taking that from young Seb. Just wait till we get to the three word reviews. So hopefully he'll have that as a reminder now and not panic at the last moment. But regardless of that, I, I think it is also important to kind of reference John Duran. Of course, he comes on in what the 74th minute scores a minute later, of course, Ashley Young with the most beautiful of assists. Um, I, I knew he was a true villain, but I didn't know it. the roots went that deep. That throw in, regardless, Duran just kind of nicks it past Keen, goes in and slots it home quickly. I mean, Simon, that's going to do a load of good to his confidence. And you know what? Going forward, hopefully we see a little bit more of him, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, when he came on, I, uh, I thought I turned to my nephew, you know, I took to the game today. I just said, oh, I'd like, absolutely love it if he could get a goal today. I'll be honest, I didn't think 20 seconds after that, that, that would have happened. Um, and he kind of, he, he almost messed it up. I thought that second touch was, was a little heavy. And after the game, a few of us were chatting in the pub. And I, I think had Pickford not already been on the yellow cards, I think he may have come steamed out for that one and, and taken the risk of taking Duran out and, and getting a yellow. But regardless of that, for Duran to, to finally get off the mark, I think it could be massive for him. I mean, he, he's, what, still only 19, I think, maybe. Um, he obviously came to us in January. So you can look at it that, oh, he, he hadn't scored yet. He's been at, at Villa since January. But I think I, when I was like, watching the highlights back and heard the commentators say something like he's, he's only played like 120 odd minutes for the club since he's been here. So he's, he's not actually had that much game time and he's probably not anywhere near fully fit as well, having basically missed all the preseason with injury. So, Come on, get 20 minutes, get a goal as well. It's what all strikers need, don't they? Just that confidence. And I think the, the last Colombian centre forwards we had took about six months to get his first goal for Villa as well. And he turned out to be all right. So maybe, maybe that's a good diamond. Who, who knows? But, uh, yeah, I, I thought, I thought he looked decent and kind of like we, we've all have been massive fans, I think, of Cameron Arch and really wanting him to get his chance. And he, he, you know, he's still obviously young and, and hasn't had that many minutes even and, and could still end up having, you know, a good career at Villa. But sort of the games I saw in pre-season and even when he came on today, admittedly, it wasn't for a long time. I don't necessarily think he's sort of staked the claim that he probably should have, certainly over the pre-season. And I think Duran coming on and getting that goal, I'm sure Archer was sitting on the bench thinking... Bloody hell, I wish that had fallen to me, like, cause what that could have done for him. But for Duran, it, it's massive. And whether he's with us for the entire season or, you know, still a bit of time in the window, there's, there's, we, as for, you know, we don't really know what's going on. We could well bring another forward player in and maybe shut him out on loan. 
however it goes, for him to, to sort of get off the mark and start the season when he's clearly nowhere near much fit and to get that goal, it, it should do him the world of good as well. And I was, I'm really pleased for him because young kid coming over to a new country, new environments can be really tough and, and that, that should do him the world of good. And, you know, he'd, he'd probably be feeding on top of the world tonight. See, the way I look at Duran is I feel like he's, I don't know, just this season with the amount of games, I feel like it's perfect for his development. I just feel like he's the sort of striker that can get a few goals and really capitalize on that. And I, I think he needs that, but more so, of course, it's good for Villa. I mean, Simon, I'll come right back to you. I mean, Cameron Archer coming on, and of course, a lot of people kind of said this post-match on social media that I noticed. I, it, it's it's hard to read into it, of course. There's been links with him moving away permanently on loan, whatever it may be. But I mean, what did you make of the cameo? Because for me, I, I know the game was already absolutely done at that point there really wasn't much to do but it just seemed like he was a little disjointed some people kind of read into it online which of course it's easier for people to do kind of saying you can already tell he's ready for a move what did you kind of make of the brief brief cameo sorry i mean i think it's very very difficult to really make a proper assessment because he was just on the pitch for such a short amount of time and you know the game was gone by that stage we were basically playing walking football and you know, taking the mick out of Everton, really. I, I think what's more telling than his actual performance in the cameo is the fact that Duran was sent on ahead of him uh, for Watkins. And you know, as we just talked about, considering Duran hasn't kicked the ball in pre-season, basically been injured for a little bit and only started training, I think it was like a week ago. The fact he got the nods ahead of Archer, I I think that's quite telling because, you know, the game is done by that point. You you might have thought Emery, if he was really sold on Archer, you kind of think, well, surely he'd have chucked him on for 20 minutes against that defence and, you know, tried to get a goal into him. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. I think I, I suspect that come the end of the transfer window, we'll have bought a, another forward-thinking player in and I think he'll be sold on to a club where we maybe will have a buyback option. But I think if we got an offer sort of around the 15 to 20 million mark from maybe a championship club or one of the newly promoted clubs or something, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was moved on because I'm not sure that Emery is particularly sold on him. So here's one, like with Duran, I wonder, I agree with you. And then obviously there's the, there's the element of, like you said, he missed a lot of preseason. So maybe like with game, with the game one today maybe Emery sees it as more valuable to give Duran the 15 minutes, 20 minutes plus stoppage time of time on the pitch than Archer because seen a lot, probably seen quite a lot more of Archer in training than he has of Duran and that sort of stuff. But I wonder from you guys, like if everything remains equal with our striker situation, like no, no ins and no outs in the next, well, it's only three days in it, in the next three days, what are you guys expecting to see up front in the Hibs game? Because like Duran not fully fit, Archer seems fully fit, seems raring to go, but left on the bench. Watkins, you know, he's like the energizer bunny, and he so like he can keep going forever. But what are you expecting to see starting lineup substitute wise up front for Hibs? I think it'll be Watkins because I, I mean, every we know that he takes that competition and like European competitions really seriously, and, and also Watkins as well. He's He's that type of player. He's a streaky striker, isn't he? He once he gets that one goal, 
he tends to go on a decent run. So I think I'd suspect that Emery would probably be thinking, you know, that's an opportunity again for him to try and get on, on the score sheet. And as soon as he gets one, you know, get his season up and running. So I'd, I'd be amazed if it wasn't Watkins starting up front in that game. I, I mean, I completely agree with Simon. And I think it, I think it will be Watkins. Um, but I'd, I'd like, there's a part of me that would like it to be Cameron Archer. I feel like Hibs are the sort of opposition where he would thrive. You know that he can score goals in the championship and I think Hibs are probably that sort of level, if not maybe even below that. So, I mean, it all depends with the outgoing. If if we're looking at offers and we're looking to ship him off, then then maybe not. But the the person inside of me that loves Cameron Archer and loves the way he plays and the loves loves the way that he scores goals would be really excited to see what he could do against probably one of the weaker back fours that we're going to come up against. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com it's kind of tricky too like even when you look at the lineup and mentality because like everyone's kind of referenced Unai Emery takes this competition or any European competition very very seriously but I honestly feel like for the first leg he's not going to take any risks I would expect a very similar team unless maybe he throws in Olsen which terrifies me any day that he plays sorry if Robert Olsen's listening to this Robin Olsen not Robert I already forgot his first name um (laughs) what does that say to you regardless maybe the only changes I could maybe see would be like Diego Carlos coming in maybe Tillemans Tillemans Um, I think will come in yeah yeah uh, a few things like that. Um, but uh, aside from that, I would have said Philogene, but of course it looks like he's going to be off to Hull City very, very soon, uh, which hopefully we can discuss here in a few minutes. But it's tricky because, I mean, would you throw in Chambers? I can't really see that. Traore really hasn't had a sniff of it really all preseason two because he's missed it. So what are you getting there? I would have said Coutinho, but he's probably going to be out for two to three weeks at least right now. So a lot can happen between now and Wednesday, so we'll have to wait and see. I wouldn't be shocked if one of, to be honest, uh, Luca Dean or Philogene are done and out the door um, by Wednesday, so that kind of makes you wonder too, but regardless of that, we'll have to wait and see. But I want to ask everyone here kind of one quick question, then we'll get over to the three-word reviews and we'll uh, move on to Pastures New. Tom, I'll start with you. Looking at this game as just one lone game, not taking any kind of um, preface from the Newcastle result, what's the biggest takeaway from your point of view on today's win? Uh, I think my biggest takeaway probably is that, again, um, adjusting for the standard of opposition. Uh, we've we've all said, I think, like I don't actually think Villa were that bad last week. Like some of the couple, some of the goals we conceded at Newcastle were not good. 
But I, I didn't think we were that bad. I think Newcastle, unfortunately, are just pretty good. And I think we were, we weren't ready, to be honest, for them coming at us the way that we came at Everton today. Um, the biggest takeaway for me is just, I think we all know that this Villa side has the ability to do to teams what we did to Everton, which is take them apart from the first minute, get right at them, score an early goal, dominate the game completely and have, and have basically the result never be in doubt um it's great to see that so early in the season you know like you can only beat what what's in front of you but like there are times where you know i know we all have this fear of like there are times where we wouldn't have won that game or whatever but even if even if we did win that game there are times we'd have you know we'd have scored maybe midway through the first half wouldn't have been able to build on it maybe might have got a second insurance goal really late but it would have been a lot nervier than it needed to be we, you know, the, the the difference in quality between the two teams would have been made to look a lot smaller. Whereas we've seen already now, really early on, that we are a team capable of taking apart opponents um, and just not only dominating the ball, but using it well, right? Getting that end result from it. So to see that early on, so early on, um, it's just got to be hugely encouraging. You know, obviously it's encouraging for us as fans, but for the players as well, because... You can imagine there was a, must have been the mood in camp after the Newcastle game must have been pretty bleak. So um, I think the mood after this should rightly be uh, not only very you know pleased with the result, but very confident and optimistic about what it means for us as a team going forward. 100%. It looks like Seb on my screen is going to fall asleep. So let's get his mouth talking here to get him awake a little bit more and get him right in the conversation. Seb, I'll come to you next. What was your biggest uh, kind of takeaway from today's game? Yeah, similar similar to Tom. Um, I like how complete we looked today. I mean, and it's been mentioned a lot that it the opposition were probably not up to scratch. But it's nice to know that if we play weaker opposition, that we can tear them apart and we can make that difference in quality noticeable. Um, also, I really liked Emery Subs today. I think he made the right decisions at the right time. He brought the right people off with the midweek game in hand. I think sometimes I forget. Well, not that I forget, but like it just homes in just how experienced Unai Emery is with this European football. Obviously, for me, it's a bit different. I haven't really had a taste of this yet, but he knows exactly what he's doing, you know, and it just assures us that we, we are in the best hands possible. Yeah, similar, really. Um, just nice that they were sort of easily able to put aside what happened last weekend and not really let that have a major effect. You know, there's we've seen plenty of times in the past with other teams, they have a bad, like a, a pretty bad result in the one week. It, it can sort of hang over and carry on for, for quite a while. So the fact that they kind of didn't let it affect them and... You know, that's now eight home wins in a row, obviously going back into last season as well. But it's nice to get that start uh, so early on at home and sort of keep that intensity up. And yeah, just just really good to see that reactions. That sort of, for me, shows just what a good sort of calm manager you've got that that he doesn't let something like that happen. The, the only other thing I, I did kind of take away from it as well, and this don't want this to come across as negative as it may do but I think for me watching the game it it became really clear to me that I think we do need a, a proper 
viable forwards alternative to Watkins. Like, I'll just carry out this first by saying I'm a huge fan of Ollie Watkins and I think he offers so much and he's a really, really good player. However, I, I don't think he had his best game today. I, I think he kind of struggled to get into it. And, you know, that, that, that can happen. I think where there could be a slight, possibly a slight concern is you look at sort of throughout the rest of the team and there's pretty strong competition for the majority of uh, positions in that team. Whereas up front, let's be honest, Watkins is pretty much guaranteed to start every game unless you're playing, I don't know, some goat herders from Bulgaria or whatever in, in the conference league. Like, Unless you find someone that you should really be able to comfortably beat without him, he's he's probably going to have to play pretty much every game. And whilst that's, I, I don't, he's not the type of player that I think sort of rests on his laurels a bit and gets complacent because you know from pretty much, well certainly the second half of last season, you knew that he was going to start every game and he had a great goal scoring run, which he's more than capable of doing, but. Sometimes I think just just having that bit of proper competition for your place can maybe bring that extra couple of percent out of him when you know when he is having like a bit of an off day. If he's looking on the bench thinking, you know, there's someone who could come in and take my place and realistically keep it for, for a good number of weeks, you know, you might just get that little bit more out of him. But again, I say that that may come across me trying to be really negative. I'm not at all. It was just a little thing I, I did kind of think like we could probably do with that competition in, in that position. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, like, you kind of wonder how Zanolio comes in. You kind of wonder how what that means for Giabi. I could see him playing up front once in a while as well um, by himself. Or who knows, maybe Una Amri decides to go old school Leverkusen and think, you know what, you and Leon Bailey can do what you want somewhere in Goat Herders FC or wherever you want to call them, Simon. <laughs> but, but regardless of that, I would say my biggest takeaway from today I, I guess not as much of a serious one but Musa Diaby is very good at football I, if he would have scored that volley oh my god I think everyone would have fainted at Villa Park including Seb and Simon that were there because that would have been absolutely beautiful but on a more serious note I think it's more of a, a belief of the concept I don't think after the Newcastle result anyone had any true doubts that Una Emery's system or kind of um methodology wouldn't work or it's going to be different this season but the fact that we were able to rebound so quickly and in such a convincing and strong manner I I think it kind of gives you more of a confirmation of proof of concept and it's really nice to see that we're putting away the teams that we should be putting away and we've always said this with other managers pre Unai Emery we don't have to go over all that and scar ourselves any further but that's what I took away regardless of that. But let's go over to Twitter now to the three word reviews. We didn't do them last week because, of course, we lost 5-1. I didn't want to make people suffer. I didn't want to read them, to be honest, because I felt like I would suffer and it was just not worth it. So why not be a little bit of um, a, a poor sport, some people may call that, and uh, start with a very convincing 4-0 win at home against Everton. So let's dive into that. I think there was nearly 40 of them, so thank you very much to everyone that got involved. And one of them, I think, might be the title for this um, edition of Holtcast, because I, I liked it. I'll, I'll see if the other guys like it too. If not, then I'll have to come up with something else, or I'll message Tom at like 9 p.m. tonight freaking out because I don't have a, a title still because I suck at doing that. 
But regardless of that, let's start with um, USA underscore villain saying great bounce back. Um, Colin McCarthy saying we're good again. Joey Holmes, don't get carried away. He put carried away together. Fair enough. I guess I'll let that slide. I didn't realize that till now. Uh, Simon Palmer, ready for Europe. Uh, Michael JC Banner, that was fun. Uh, Brad Wolf, off the bottom. Uh, Hubbard, underscore, AVFC, underscore, 30. Super Unai Emery. Uh, Michael Smith, Everton, our championship. Jules, gold difference sorted. Uh, Steve White, Leon Bailey's redemption. Colin Frederick says, we are back. I, this is the one that I like uh, from S.E. Turnbull saying, well-chewed toffee. I don't know if that's a good um, title, but nonetheless, I think it would be. So um, I'll send you your royalty fee for that if we do use that. Um, just joking. I don't have any money for this. Um, Spencer says, lovely clean sheet. And let's do two more here. We'll scroll down to the very bottom. Um, Dennis White says, cake walk win. And let's finish it with, um, let's see. Do I want to finish it positively or negatively? Let's go uh, positively. Uh, what a win with a claret in blue heart. I think that's a good one from Colin. So we'll leave it there. There was a few about injuries and concerns there. I don't think we need to talk about that um, around this time because right now it's becoming too much of a theme. If we talk about it too much, we might jinx ourselves um, and have no no one in the squad healthy by Christmas at this rate. But regardless of that, so, eh, sorry, Tom, I'll come to you because apparently I can't talk right now. Three-word review. Go ahead. I'm going to never in doubt because, I mean, I think uh, I, 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 coming into this game, I expected us to win. And then as soon as I saw the way that we came out and we started, honestly, after like the first genuinely three or four minutes, I was convinced we were going to win that game. Um, and like we've talked about, the manner in which we did it was extremely pleasing. So yeah, never in doubt. Fair enough, Seb. How about you? I hate these three-worded games, but um, I'm I'm going to go for a bit of alliteration today. Uh, cool, calm, and collected, without the and, obviously. That's cool. <laughs> Otherwise, well, thank you for clarifying that. I had no clue. <laughs> Simon, what about you? Uh, business as usual. No explanation on that? You just kind of want to coolly walk away from the table? Well, we just always win at home now, don't we? Oh, well, aren't you feeling massive? I, I do like the confidence regardless of that. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Duran the man. I think it's just a good moment for him. Hopefully um, it's the start of something really good. Um, the fact that uh, Brudy Traore gave him a hug right after maybe means that some of uh, Traore's limited time magic juice will rub off and become a uh, permanent fixture for Duran and hopefully he scores 20 this season all in all um, I just panicked I saw Duran um, highlight come up that he scored and that's what I went with although I did literally say this 10 minutes ago that we were doing this but I always do this to myself but regardless of that let's do our uh, match balls and then we will uh I think we'll get out of here unless we have something else that I forgot to bring up. But regardless of that, Tom, who would your man of the match slash match ball go to? I'm leading off again, eh? Um, John McGinn. What a man. I like after nearly 200 games for us, I think, five years. Still one of my favorite things as a Villa fan is seeing him score for us. Doesn't happen often enough, but it's, you know, I think he's been superb for a long time now. And I genuinely believe that he is one of the most um, individualistic players that we have. Like the, he, his mixture of qualities and um, physicality 
by which I, of course, mean his arse, uh, are, are hard to replace from other players within our squad, I think. I think he's so important to what we're doing at the moment, and I think he was excellent again today. Fair enough. So from John McGinn's ass to Simon's man of the match, Simon, who are you going for? Uh, it's going to be boring and, and agree, John McGinn. I think maybe had Louise stayed on for the whole game, I think there could have been a shout flax. I thought he was just excellent once again. And like, I mean, Douglas Louise, we haven't like, talked about him at all today. Thank God he was on that penalty. Can, can I just bring that up? Because I had horrible, horrible visions of Watkins stepping up to, to try and take that. But it was, uh, yeah, Louise took his penalty really well. And I thought he was, he was brilliant again because he's, he's just such a fucking gifted footballer. Like, I, I, I just love watching him, but he, he didn't play long enough for me. So yeah, I'll go from beginning. I thought he, he, he had an excellent game today and glad to see him, uh, on the score sheet so early in the season as well. Already matched his tally from last year. So, so hopefully he'll get a few more. Fair enough. Sab, are you going to make it almost unanimous or what? Is there a match where I can take home or something? Because I'm going to make it a hat-trick. Um, I feel like with McGinn, and I think I've said this before on here, that you know he's going to have a good game within the first five minutes of play. He will He will make it abundantly clear that he is on it that day. Um, and that was just the case today. When, when he's on his game, there's no better footballers to watch run with the ball in the Premier League just not even for like you see these edits online of like players blissfully gliding past challenges and like almost swan like and then there's John McGinn and it is just comedic value watching him run with the ball it genuinely I could sit and laugh and laugh and laugh but it pays off so yeah he he was immense today do you guys do you guys remember or have you seen uh, Takeshi's Castle? Yes. Um, John, oh, McGinn, yeah. John McGinn runs like he's trying to run through one of those doors. <laughs> it's like it's like head down momentum charges at, like forwards. He's, he's a very unique player, isn't he? Like, I mean, we all have like a good sort of laugh and a joke about his sort of running style and stuff like that. But he he actually he keeps the ball so so well. Like he's he's a much more I think he's a much more technically gifted player than maybe I think I've given him credit for. And to be fair, I think you've got to really praise you know, Emery for that. He has come on leaps and bounds. But he's, he's, he's sort of becoming the player I think we all sort of hoped that he would become. And yeah, he's, he's, a, he's another joy to watch, to be fair. Absolutely. I'm just going to make it unanimous and not feel um, any more peer pressure than I already do. I'm going to go with John McGinn. Um, I I guess you could make a a case for maybe one or two more, but I mean, the fact that that man literally, like his pirouettes around players are not that beautiful, but they are so effective when he's using his body. The fact that he was able to make so much space numerous times, scoring, um, setting things up. I, I mean, his celebration is uh, stuff that legends are made of. They need to make a statue of that man when he retires with him doing his little bird owl thing, whatever the hell he's doing. I don't know. It's brilliant. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think you can't really go wrong with going for John McGinn. So we'll make that one unanimous. But the last thing I want to discuss here very quickly before we wrap things up, actually, because it's the first time on the whole cast we've ever discussed Villa being in Europe. So why the hell not just have a few moments to kind of revel in that? So, I mean, Simon, let's just enjoy this bask in the glory. How are you feeling heading into Wednesday and how confident are you feeling? In terms of confidence, like, 
yeah, pretty confident to be fair. I know you, you kind of, you, you always run the risk of leaving yourself possibly looking very, very stupid, talking about these type of things before the actual game. But if you can't get past Hibs, then, you know, you probably don't really deserve to be in Europe because they're not the best of teams. And yeah, it's just to actually be back, it's, it just it's, it feels great. I remember like showing my age here now, going back quite a while. Uh, the first year that I had the season tickets, uh, 97, 98, long, long time before Seb was even a glint in his father's eye. <laughs> I remember I, I remember we, we got to the quarterfinal of the UEFA Cup that season. I think I may have talked about this on, on the on this pod before, but I, I still do remember. I was like 11, 12 years old. The atmosphere that we ended up going out on the way goals that night, but the atmosphere in Villa Park was just unbelievable. And then, sort of thinking back a few years after that, under Martin O'Neill, when we beat Ajax at home and Martin Larson and Gareth Barry scored the goals, and again, the atmosphere is, is there is something really, really special about Villa Park and on European nights, even. I think it was uh, obviously CSK in Moscow. We ended up going out to that season. We drew 1-1 at home with them. And like, to be fair, we should have won that game quite comfortably. We pretty much battered them that day. But it, similarly, the atmosphere, like this, there's a number of European games over the years where that, that vividly stick in my mind. So to to, be th- to think that we're going to be having them again, especially where, where you think where we were at certain points last season, you, you know, you just kind of thought it's, we're a long way off from ever getting them back. So, I I just I can't wait. I'm really, really excited and fingers crossed we, we get through this playoff, which I think we really should, and then get into the group stage where, where it will sort of really kick off and a few away trips, European nights at Villa Park. Absolutely can't wait. Simon, the things you remember, I hope when after like maybe like I don't know, when you're like eighty and they're <laughs> doing like a reflection kind of video piece or hologram piece, not long to go then. Then <laughs> fair enough. Um they they come to you to kind of get like a fan's input because you can be like, I can remember in 2007 when Villa won 2-1 and so-and-so scored and oh, Unai Emery was brilliant and all this kind of stuff. I just, I hope they do that because your recollection of things and the exact moments they happen from even in the late 90s is just astounding to me. But regardless of that, maybe because in 1998, I was four years old, but regardless, um, <laughs> if that wants to make you feel a little bit older, um, it probably did. But Seb, I'll come to you. How are you feeling about this one? I mean, you just have to be confident, don't you? I I can't wait. Um, I, this will be the first time as a Villa fan for me, seeing them in Europe. And you know, these are the nights that you that you live for as a football fan, aren't you? I mean, if you'd have told me a few years ago that I'd be sitting here saying that I live for Scotland away, uh, then I'd probably a bit be a bit confused. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I just remember after the Brighton game talking to Simon and going like, "We deserve this for everything that that's happened. Like, we deserve these nights." And I just hope that it can lead us on one of those magical journeys that you've seen happen that you know is a possibility. And hopefully we have a really, really fun story to tell at the end of the season. I mean, Tom, we deserve this, these moments for the, hopefully more moments this season for the, the Remy guard moments and the um, Dr. Tony issues and all the absolute shit we've been through. Don't we? 
We've come a long way from a stream of emojis on Twitter, haven't we? From Dr. Tony. Yeah. A few short years. Um, yeah. I mean, I like, I, I do have, I do have rapid Vienna PTSD. I'm no, I know that a lot of people do as well. Um, so, you know, going to, going to Easter Road and winning three nil wouldn't go amiss. <laughs> um, but I'm confident as well. Like, I've, you know, we should, we really should have enough. I, I, you know, I do hope that we put across as good account of as good an account of ourselves as we can in this playoff tie. It would be, you know, dreamland is that it's dead and buried after the first leg, really. Um, but you know, I have that, I have that nervousness about this tie, but I don't really think it's rational nervousness. Do you know what I mean? I think it is just sort of PTSD from the double rapid Vienna, um, uh, you know, elimination at, at this stage. Um, and the thing is, is that for me, like we 100% correct, we do like we do deserve it. We deserve, I think, a long European campaign, and I think we have that in us. And so, I guess part of the the slight nerves from my end is that like not getting through the playoff round would be one of the only ways that we anything in our season this season could be actually deemed a failure. I think. Because, you know, if you don't get through a playoff round, you haven't even, you know, started on the journey, really. But I think it's irrational. I think we'll go to, I think we'll go, I think we'll go there and we'll win. Um, I don't think we'll like batter them and it will be all all done after the first leg because they're going to make it really, really, really tough for us. Like they'll be really, really up for it. Got a couple of tough games in a row, you know, like Hibs away and Burnley away. Um, but I'm just excited to watch Villa play again. You know what I mean? I said this a lot like in the second half of last season. And I mean, it. it's like, it's, Unai Emery's Villa, we saw a real, real good 90 minutes of what we're capable of this weekend. And I think now our season's really begun now. Do you know what I mean? And uh, having the European specialist in charge, like, you know, having this game, um, Everton and being 3-0 up or whatever, so you know, five minutes into the second half. And so being able to take off, I think we took off Diaby, Douglas Louise, Watkins, like we're in the the position to have the luxury to rest players. So there's really no excuses, but I I'm, you know, I think we'll get the job done. I can't wait for it really. As long as we don't go out by two former villains scoring, I think we'll be okay. Of course, that's that's Harry McCurdy and uh, Jake Doyle Hayes. I was just looking through uh, Hibbs's first team. It's kind of interesting when you go on their website actually and you click on or hover over the player. Um, it does a little. They kind of like change the picture, and it's like I don't know, like a funny picture or something, being a little overly cocky or something. I feel like Villa should do something like that. But if anyone's not familiar with Hibs, of course, they're managed by former Sunderland manager, Bristol City manager. That's off the top of my head. Um, of course, um, I forget his name because it's irrelevant to me. Lee Johnson. <laughs> that was at the bottom of the page and I started absolutely panicking. Of course, in goal, they have David Marshall. Um, some other names people could be for familiar with, of course, in the championship days uh, for Reading. I think it was Jordan Urbita. Um, kind of going through their midfield, of course. I already said Jake Doyle Hayes. Um, up front, they do have, I don't know how old Adam LaFondre is now, but he is up front for them. Um, and they have Kristen Dodge, who I feel like played in League Two not too long ago. I could be wrong. Um, and of course, Harry McCurdy, who was a former, former Villa youth team player as well. But just in case anyone actually wanted to know that, um, interestingly enough, they're, uh, coaching staff is filled with a goalkeeper coach named Stuart Garden. That is the best last name I've ever seen. 
Um, it looks like he's had a few nights out in the garden. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but regardless of that, um, I won't insult them any further. So unless we have anything else anyone wants to say, um, I think we'll wrap this one up. And since no one's turning off their mute button, we will do that. So thank you very much to everyone that's listened. Of course, thank you very much to Simon, um, Seb, and Tom for joining me, of course. If you want to find Seb on Twitter, it's at Sebastian Bacon 8. Simon's at Cy O'Regan. Tom is at TD Nightingale. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. Check out the website www.7500toholt.sbnation.com. You can, of course, email the podcast, holtcast at gmail.com. If you ever want to write anything for the website, of course, it's 7500 to Holt Main at gmail.com look at me adding another email address and remembering it i'm finally getting good at this but regardless of that we should be back um in no time hopefully with a hibs preview with a hibs fan or journalist but like i said we'll leave it there and don't forget the villa we're going up.